How tall are you? I'm, well, on my license it says 5'8". Me too. I'm closer to 5'7 right. and <laughs> shrinking, you know, yeah. as we're speaking. Do you think we shrink as we age? Yes. Is that a fact or are you just... In I think my it head, is a... it's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I don't know if it, you know, when you're young and you, you know, puff your chest out and you're strutting along and you've got this big I, fuck I off attitude. And then when you get older, you get a little meeker and you're well, just kind you of like hiding, to. you know. Well, you don't have to. But, that, but you're talking about something that's, that's psycho-related, psychosomatic. You know, yes, if, you're, if your attitude toward life is meek and don't hurt me, lady, <laughs> I mean, yes. But if you stretch, I mean, I don't. Of course. Oh, right. I, like, but also, I don't think my dick has gotten smaller. I would notice that. I would notice it and I would care and it would be reflected in the reviews. <laughs> I think that, uh, I think it's holding its own. I, you know, I, I'm not down I know there. I'm holding my I, own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one after another oh, here. Okay. So, you know what? I can't remember the last time I saw you, but I'm so, first of all, I'm so flattered that you would come well, and do course. this. No, Thank no, I mean me. it because I know you got a million things going and you're a big rock star and it never stops. But I know we, we have talked before, but I'm, I was so happy that having talked to you a little bit, got a little taste of you, that I was now going to get to actually fucking get to know you yeah, over the, over was, an hour instead of like, I don't know where we met, but it was Yeah, I was, I was reminiscing uh, with, with your guys here. Uh, the first time you and I crossed paths and the first time we were on a on a show together was back in the old politically incorrect days. Politically incorrect, right. On, on, uh, but on, that doesn't even count. On ABC, it, but I was yeah. just, we were talking about uh, who I was on with and I was on with Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller. And I remember my wow. big takeaway, because at that time, most of the, the press we were doing, you know, we would do an interview with Kurt Loder. So this at is MD. the 90s. Yeah, this yeah. was, uh, this was uh, in the spring yeah. of 2000. At oh, that time, okay. Pretty much all the interviews and the press, we would, we, we, you know, MTV and music stuff, and it would be all sort of music-related stuff. But I'd never been on with a comedian before, and I sat next to Dennis on your show, and I remember he spoke three times louder than anybody I'd ever been around, uh, you know, on press or publicity. He was saying just, so you know, uh, you know, uh, Bill, <laughs> this and that, and he everything was really, really loud. I was sitting next right. to him, going, "What the fuck." And I realized that when you're around comedians who are used to sort of talking on their own in a club or whatever, they speak loud, they speak assertive. Not me. And they're really... Not well, me. I'm not going to do that. And I no, don't want to be, about, I don't be know, lumped in with all comedians <laughs> okay. who are over... I mean, Dennis had a persona. Yeah. My persona is exactly who I am. Of course, I know that. Right. But, that is it. And I'm not to putting Dennis down. Yeah. Look, we're in show business. You have a persona too, by the way. Of course. Right. Of course. Yeah. And some of that is sprung from who you really are. I think the one reason Very, why you're iconic, yeah. even to kids, which is quite a trick at our age, to be popular with kids, is because they love... Um, Authenticity. It's the one thing they can be intuitive about. They're not taught anything in school, but they kind of, but they're savvy about who's fake and who's not. And, uh, you know, they, they read that on you, and that comes out of who you really are. So, you, yes, you have a persona, but it's, yeah, it's, no, it's listen, based I, I, on. When I, get up on, when I get up on stage, and I was doing an interview uh, earlier today, and, and who I was talking to was like, you know, when you get up on stage and you're pulling these crazy faces and, you just you're so animated and i said you know it's you get up on stage in front of x thousand people and and you're yeah. in a zone and you oh. you just lose yourself in that and you become whether it's a character or whether it's a persona or whether it's an exaggerated version of yourself you definitely morph into something and else also you have to you're beating something <laughs> you can't you can't be beating that, that, something fair in, enough in a unanimated way you can't play the drums timidly. It's a percussive instrument. Uh, in a band You're, like Metallica, that's uh, very difficult to do, to play it timidly, <laughs> as I will agree with that. To. And your friends, yeah. I, mean, and, I mean, your fans would be crestfallen. It would be a travesty. So I don't know why we're even <laughs> worrying about what no, listen, But yes, the point was, I knew you from way back, but we never right. really sat down. That's right. And then, but I always did admire the Napster thing with you. That was like my, the, I was like, that's a guy who was after my own heart, 
not afraid to get booze. I would say that is like the rarest thing in show business. Are you, do you have the balls to get booed? By saying something that the audience, because most performers are pussy whipped by the audience. Now you should definitely be led by the audience to a degree. You want to please them. I certainly do. But there are certain points where they should not be able to push you. And that certainly was not popular. that, 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 that's a given. I, I fully agree with that. In the case of Napster, the intention wasn't to go out there and get booed. The intention was to go out there and stand up for what we believed in. Then the subsequent shitstorm that came in yeah, the wake of all of must- that completely caught of all of us off guard because we were thrown down the gauntlet for more of a back alley fight. And we didn't know that back alley fight was going to take oh. place in front of the whole world. So, but generally, I fully agree with what you're saying. You know, when you you put music out or you're doing shows or you put yourself out in some sort of creative space, you have to be able to take take the punches. What we have done over the years is prided ourselves in never letting them know that they got to you. So when people talk shit or write something, you know, review style, you just go... (laughs) That just, you know, that well, just, I mean, you know, filling, fuck. filling stadiums is the best revenge or the best answer. Yeah. I mean, you know, the old, the old, like, the old saying 30, 40 years ago when you know, remember it was all about, are they selling out? Are you selling out? Is so-and-so selling out? And the answer was, yeah, we sell out wherever we go. <laughs> you know, that was, that was one that was so, that's great. that yeah. was one that was that's used so, so much that it. Sort of 20 right. years ago, we stopped saying it. You know, everybody just, stopped saying it. But, like so but remember the culture it. at that time with rock and roll and, and with comedians. And if you became too mainstream, almost by definition, a part of you were selling out because, you know, the, the people that embraced you early on on the outer fringes didn't I mean, want you to go mainstream. The list of people uh, who get, have gotten accused of selling out it's, yeah. it's a very impressive club to be in. That's and, a great and list who, to be on. And you know who <laughs> greets you at the door at the club of people who got booed actually on stage for selling out? Bob Dylan. Of course. With his electric guitar. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. He's playing electric. Yeah, Call 911. Newport. Was yeah. the oh reaction. Yeah. Oh. Right? For kids, legendary, legendary. If kids no. don't know this, right? Bob Dylan was famously, a, I mean, he was uh, been to Woody Guthrie. He was born in 1941, and that was who he modeled himself after. I've heard those early Dylan records. Oh, my God. It's like, it's like, uh, it's, it's horrible to me. I'm just not into that kind of music. It's folk with that, that harmonica. Sounds like a busy signal. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, a note to self: never sign like a busy signal. <laughs> no, not don't play the harmonic. I don't think you're in danger of doing that. But then Dylan. So then Dylan became the voice of the generation and blowing in the wind. Of course. And whatever that's up. Okay. So blowing in the wind is still his old. It's sure. a good song, but it's still his old style. And then was it in '65 or something? Uh, I think maybe maybe it was a year or two late. Six, he showed up so at Newport. I think it was '65. Yeah, it was some yeah. festival and. Dylan showed up comes in Newport out, in Rhode Island. And play, oh, is that where it was? Yeah. And, and plays the electric guitar. And shock like, horror. And a whole generation fucking shit their pants and didn't right. know what to do. I mean, their whole, their whole like orbit, you know, their whole orbit just got thrown off, off track. And, and I'm sure, um, and of course, it's never the main bulk of the audience. It's a few pretentious assholes who probably write the reviews. Right. What difference does it make? He was playing electric guitar. Yes. And then he's going to use an acoustic guitar sometimes, just like all bands do. What a producer says, what, how do we make this record sound the best? Maybe it's electric on this. It had nothing to do with his voice, his poetry. And I think his music got better. I love. Same thing happened to us on our second album, right? The Lightning. We had the first album was 10 or 11, pretty moving along thrashy rock and roll songs and then on the second album the fourth song in fade to black ah. james was playing an acoustic guitar right and the hard rock and heavy metal community went right. oh my god metallica just sold out they have an acoustic guitar on their album Whoa. everybody was up in arms and to this day 
almost 40 years later, it's one of the five songs that we have to play in every concert <laughs> and not to get tarred and feathered and chased out of right. town, you know? Well, I mean, Led Zeppelin, which is kind of known as the granddaddy of metal, but much of their stuff is acoustic. Yeah, like, and a lot of it is roots back to English folklore music yes. and, you know, especially like Led Zeppelin 3. I mean, it's almost all an acoustic, you know, in right. Led Zeppelin 2 and Led Zeppelin 4 obviously have a lot of rock stuff, but Stairway to Heaven and yes. all those songs like well, you know, the Battle of Evermore and all those, oh, those yeah. are the beautiful acoustic songs. And, and like a, a song like Stairway to Heaven, it, there's, a, there's a great album to be made of songs that are so fucking good that they became so popular that then they somehow became uncool. Like yeah. Stairway to Heaven, uncool. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you know or, the you know the cliche is that every uh, every guitar store or every guitar center in the world has a sign on the wall that says, you know, when sixteen year olds come in and want to try guitars, please do not play Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Yeah, that's another one of those crazy but, exaggerated but, but cliches. But, okay, now there's a perfect idea of why the, whoever these fucking critics or morons are. <laughs> Are morons because, like, it's not the acoustic or the electric, it's the combination. It's the fact that we're building to this place in the song, or you could start hard and I guess go. Yeah, it's called, it's, a, it's called dynamics. It's called dynamics, yes. and it, it's called producing a record, which yeah. you never have done because yeah, you're typing. Taking, taking your fans and the audience you're on a journey. Type, you're typing journey. and they're playing. Exactly. Not yeah. that typing isn't nothing, but in your case, mostly it is nothing, and they're playing and you're typing. Yeah. And listen, we, you know, whatever it's worth, if uh, uh, Stairway to Heaven is one of the blueprints, Deep Purple had a similar song called Child in Time, and then, you know, that sort of morphed over into bands like Judas Priest had a song called Beyond the Realms of Death. Iron Maiden had a song called Hallowed Be Thy Name. And those are the songs that where you go on a journey and there's acoustic guitars right. and there's melody and there's oh, yeah. the big, you know, crescendo finale. And, you know, those eight or nine minute songs, we have half a dozen of them. Like I said, Fade to Black was yeah. the first one where there was an acoustic guitar and the metal community lost their fucking shit. And it's fine, you know, 40 years later, we're still kicking along. Uh, some say doing as good or better than ever. And You uh, are. You know, yeah. it's, it's those things you just, it becomes part of the ride. Obviously, the, the, the major difference now is that 30 years ago when you put out a record, if you wanted to see what people thought of it, you would read about it a week or two later in Rolling Stone or in Kerrang! magazine right. or in Entertainment Weekly or yeah. whatever. Now... You know, when we dropped the first single from the new album in November, the song's three and a half minute long. I could read about what 10,000 people thought about it four minutes after we dropped right. it. And that's a, a little bit of an upside down version of reading about it two weeks later in Rolling Stone from back in the day. You know what I mean? So that instant thing of having just comment after comment after comment accessible five minutes after you drop something is, you know, you got to... If you go below the line, as I say, um, then you got to just be, 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 make sure that that stuff doesn't penetrate because it can, it can fuck with you if you let it. So I'll occasionally scroll down there and somebody says, that sounds great. And that sounds like this album, that sounds like Kill Them All. And, you know, somebody else says these people should go kill themselves or whatever. And we take all of it in stride and it's fine, you know, um, <laughs> but it's a that's a different part of the culture nowadays, obviously, than it was 30, 40 years ago. And and besides getting the review four minutes later, uh, I mean, only four minutes later, you're also getting it unfiltered. Exactly. You know, you're not, it's not, it's what people are thinking. And yet there, are, I mean, I don't have the balls of <laughs> Lars to go on no. social media. I don't know what they're saying about me and I don't want to know. Um, there, I'm sure there's no. It's so, I, and and, but, I, and 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 just for context, I don't do it a lot. But no, when but you, you know, of course, you want to see it. But when you've been you've been working on a record for a couple of years and yeah. you haven't been out of the right. house for three or four right. years, and then you drop a song, it's like it's nice to share it with an audience and and it, putting it all in perspective. You know, ninety five percent of it is positive, but there is always somebody who comes up with a very inventive way. <laughs> of saying 
something really nasty. And, and there would be keyboard the, warriors no, I, I wasn't, just sitting on their mom's keyboard, you know, on their mom's computer down in the basement and typing away. And it's it's just exactly, part of what it exactly is. And it's where okay. They are and it's okay. In their mom's basement. No, I was not uh, putting you down for that. I was giving you props because I don't have the, the guts to do it. I really don't. And I should. I mean, it's always better. I, don't even, I can't even watch myself. I don't watch my own show, and I should. That would be better. You'd learn things. Um, I would like to do that, uh, but that you're right. There's, one, there's always going to be one, and that would stick with me for the rest of the day. You know? I mean, I don't have... Yeah. I guess it's, people it's, think I have thicker skin than I do, but no, I mean, I... I you know, I think we're that all sensitive a, yeah, in show business. Yeah, no, and we are. And of course, uh, but there's a part of, I'll tell you, like early on when we were in our 20s and, and we were coming out of that outside of the mainstream, we were obviously on the edge and hovering in that space. And, you know, we wanted to explain ourselves and we wanted to have the mainstream rock audience understand what our point of views were and, and what was fueling us and our inspirations and all that type of stuff. And then when somebody would hurl something at you, it always felt like the best fuck you back to them was that it completely just bounced off you. So when they said something nasty to you, Metallica fucking can't do this, can't do that, they suck, they blah, blah, blah. Who's it was like, this? what do you, we, we, the, best, I, the best remedy was to ignore it and keep charging okay, forward but, because that, you know what that did? That wound them up even more because they were expecting to get into a confrontation with you and get into a debate with you. And when you ignored them, at least back in the day, that was of the case. Course. Now it, it becomes this whole two-way street. The minute you engage, you're sort of well, caught in this you? thing. You know. But I have to tell you, now, uh, I'm a, a pretty fairly, I would say, astute observer of the I, music scene. I'm a music lover. I, I have a lot is. of music. Okay, I'm not, I don't, I'm not in the business. I certainly have no musical talent. Um, I don't read the, the trades every week, but just as someone who's not unaware of the music business or your place in it or your records, which I have in, L in CD form, going back to, okay, so I, let me give you my impression of what you're saying because it's not my impression. You, my impression is that Metallica, not the, not, it's not music for everybody. It's a little too hard for a lot of people. But the the integrity reputation I feel has never been assailed. I don't I, I don't remember any I don't remember I'm sure you can always find yeah, it. But I feel like there are certain people on that level like you never became anything close to a joke, even though you've been around. It just time can make some people do. And there are bands who are Thank sort you, of yeah. known. They're thought of as soft, or they sometimes it's not even. Deserved. Like, I remember Hootie and the Blowfish had a huge album in the 90s, and everybody loved it. And before even the second one came out, they turned on the first one. It was like, wait, this is the same thing that you said was great a year ago, and now it's super unhip. Sure. So they don't. But I feel like there is none of that ever uh, tainted metallic. I don't I feel like Pearl Jam is another band like that. You too, I would say, sometimes has done goofy things like put out, uh, forcing you to hear their record on your on your phone or whatever that thing they did, but the, not as a band, as a music. You know, they've been around a lot. And some people, I, bands just have, even in the snarky press, uh, a, a great deal of respect. It never veers into what I feel like you seem to be aware of that I am not. No, it, no, it doesn't. I don't it remember any I mean, Metallica sucks. Yeah, no, general is generally... Like Nickelback the, sucks. Yeah, no. I've heard that. Yeah. And not to knock Nickelback, I'm not yeah. that aware of their music, but that I know is a joke. I get it from my writers, like Nickelback. Yeah, to, like there are bands that get that. I feel like Metallica never we're... got that. Remember when you were a teenager, you tried all kinds of ways to stand out and get your family's attention? Like playing sports or getting good at an instrument, or if those failed, stripping. It's tough to stand out, especially if you're a business owner and you want to attract the most talented people to hire on your team. But ZipRecruiter makes it easy. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com random. How does ZipRecruiter help you stand out to the right candidates? ZipRecruiter's technology sends you great candidates for your job, and you can send a personal invite to your top choices. ZipRecruiter also makes it really easy for candidates to apply to your job. 
Instead of filling out a lengthy application, they can apply with just one click. To help your job catch the eye of great candidates, ZipRecruiter also offers attention-grabbing labels like remote, training provided, urgent, and more. Get your job noticed by the best and brightest candidates with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself. Go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash random. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash random. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I love when the weather starts to warm up, getting outside, working on my lawn, mostly by yelling at children to get the hell off of it. I'm kidding, I have a giant gate. But being in my garden truly is one of my favorite parts of spring, and Sunday lawn care makes it easier than ever to enjoy. But if you're like me, you may not love figuring out how to take care of your yard, which is what gardeners are for. I'm sorry that's not PC. I mean, person of yard. Sunday is everything you need to get the lawn you've dreamed of. This spring, go to GetSunday.com random and enter a your address to get a customized plan created just for your lawn. No trips to the store or hauling heavy bags since they ship straight to your home. You just need a hose to apply Sunday. They use no harsh chemicals, no long waiting periods, or trying to keep your kids and pets off the lawn. The kids won't listen anyway. Simply apply, let it dry, and you're back to enjoying your yard. Sunday is easy and affordable. Some lawn care services cost more than $1,500 a year, but Sunday's full season plans start at just $109. And Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at just $109. And you can get 20% off when you visit GetSunday.com random at checkout. That's 20% off your custom plan at GetSunday.com random. We're fortunate in that it has not veered off that track, you know, considering it's been 41 years, it, 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 the bumps in the road have been thankfully few and far between. Of course, you brought up Napster yourself in the wake of that. There was definitely some backlash, you know, when, like I said, you but, know, the fates of black acoustic guitars, there's a few things, you know, along, you know, no. when we did this incredible song with Marianne Faithful came in and sang this beautiful melody over parts of the song. A lot of the super hard rock fans couldn't quite sort of understand who Marion Faithful was or her place in a Metallica song. When we've done some things, say with the San Francisco Symphony, there's occasionally somebody that says, why are you doing something? You know, we have always talked about our need to morph and our need to move yeah. around the musical landscape. What? And obviously everything you do is not for everybody, but I'll agree with what you're saying. Generally, yeah. certainly compared to the artists that you just and mentioned, like the, we've the, had a pretty, pretty stellar ride the, with, the, with the critics and so on and with the rock yes, community. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah. You earned it. And these people who are your critics, it seems like the theme I'm getting when you do get criticism, the theme is stay in your lane. And the answer to that is, fuck you. Yeah, well, what, first why, of all, first why, of all, first of all why well, would what you? is the lane? First of well, all, what particular I know, I lane? I know what I they mean, think yeah, the lane yeah. is. But, but again, but I will say, if you put 10 of those people on that couch over there, they'll give you 10 different answers to what that lane is. Once you break it down, yeah, once you break it down even into specifics. Better. And so that, right. that to begin with is just a lost cause. It's not even well, a discussion you know, that's worth, when you you're, know. When you're an artist, you lose some and gain some. There are people who I think probably have steadier uh, fan followings than I do or you do um, because I quite frankly think they're less of an artist whereas like I have lost audiences because I will not bend the knee and say anything I don't really believe there's a lot of woke people who think woke is the same as liberal and it's not yeah, no, it's very I'm often not. the reverse of liberal I know you get it from and, both sides and, right and I get it but I mean sides. I've gone after the left a lot more yeah. in the last five ten years yeah, because they became much more fucking ridiculous yeah. That is not a choice a lot of people would make, and you do pay a price. I've paid my price. I'm not bleeding about it. I'm, I'm happy about it because, you know, if that's where you are, we're probably not going to see eye to eye. And I love to do the show for people who are like, oh, my God, you said what I was thinking or I wish someone would say. And if I'm going to say things that, like, are going to disappoint you because they're mm, true or facts, 
(laughs) then you know you're good and it's okay to lose it's okay to lose some because you know who you get you get the people who are who belong with you and that's same true of like your relationships in life are you friends with everybody you were in high school of course not no of course no right you grow some people you keep some fans you keep and sometimes you you i'm glad that it's a dynamic thing that it's that it's constantly turning over and changing and you're getting, you know, I'm sure your, your shows have like lots of young people. Well, they weren't even around well, for yeah, this Yeah, I mean, in the wake of the Strangers Things phenomena mm. that happened last year, where all of a right. sudden, you know, Master Puppets and Metallica got introduced to a whole new audience because of one TV show. I mean, it's crazy how that keeps happening, that revolving door of kids that get to that point and then have to have their years with Metallica. Uh, but of course, we're not the same that we've been. Of course, we say things differently. Of course, we try to always, like you're saying, be uh, the, 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 true to the moment and, and true to what the beliefs are in, 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 at that time. There is one additional part, which most of the artists that you mentioned are bands. And so it can be tricky sometimes. You know, in if you're a solo artist or if you're a, a Bill Maher or if you're a, a, a comedian or uh, any solo artist, you mentioned Dylan, or if you're a Springsteen or a Neil Young or whatever, uh, you're writing just on your own opinion. If you're in U2 or if you're in Pearl Jam or if you're in Hoot and the Blowfish or if you're in Metallica, there's two things at play. Number one, the individual's opinion and then a collective opinion. And sometimes uh, part of the reason, like if you take, I don't know, uh, Sting, he started off in a band right. and then he went solo. Neil Young started off primarily sure. in groups. So a lot of artists start off in collectives yeah. and groups and gangs in gangs. And then they end up going, it takes too much work, too many uh, resources, too much shit to make it function. It's easier for me to go do my own thing. The, if you notice that there are fewer and fewer bands in their 50s and 60s, you know, there's, you know, nowadays, obviously, there's the Chili Peppers and there's Metallica and there's, you know, Guns N' Roses and, Aero- and, and, and there's the Stones, you know, and, and <laughs> Aerosmith. But I mean, all of, I mean, look at the relationship between Mick and Keith. That's been well documented how they couldn't be in the same room for 10 well, or 20 years um, at a time. I mean, it's, so it, I'm just saying it's, it takes a lot of, it takes, we spend more time, effort, and resources on the, of making the band function. I know, I, saw, the, I saw that documentary. And that's 20 years ago. Right. Okay. But okay, it, so. That's, I, I mean, it's even, but, it's not harder now because we're more respectful of each I, other, but there's more time that goes into making it work. Okay. I'm so glad you brought this up because th- this is like a question I've always wanted to really explore with someone who would know this. Because, like in the Eagles documentary, Timothy B. Schmidt at one point says, um, Every band I've ever known is always on the verge of breaking up at all times, which I thought was such a great line. It's a good soundbite, yeah. It's yes. a great fucking soundbite. <laughs> and and it's you know it just made me think. Yes, when I think of bands and what I th- know of them, or at least what the rumors are, it's it's a lot harder to name ones where they get along. I mean, you two famously. You two, you two. I I think. If we were sitting here with a couple of guys from the Chili Peppers and a couple of guys from Muse and a couple of guys from other bands that are still yeah. still getting along, yeah. we, we would all agree on one thing, which is that U2 is the ideal of being in a band that we all look up to because, you know, they 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 function, they're, you know, they but they're all more or less grew up on the same street and went to the same schools and they've all known each other and they have the same DNA running through their, their, their bodies. But that's true. I mean, that's true of a lot of bands. That's the Beatles. Yeah, but it's also true. It's also not true of a lot of bands, including the one you're sitting here talking to a member of. I mean, (laughs) I grew up in a very liberal artsy upbringing in Copenhagen, Denmark. James Hetfield grew up in pretty much the opposite of any, any of those words here right. in Southern California, in Fullerton. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Kirk Hammett grew up in in the Mission District, also in a very liberal sort of post-hippie upbringing right. and Robert Tree, you know, so, you know, so the Beatles, yes, you too, but the Beatles also, I mean, they lasted six years. Ten. You know, 
they put rec- right. whatever, records between out. six and a, so we put our last yeah. record out. You, there's longer between our last record and this record than the Beatles put records right, out. Right, I know. They put out 10 records. <laughs> no, I in, know. And so you have to take some of that into context. So I'm just saying yeah. U2 is, is sort of the, but, U2 is the pinnacle of what we all aspire to because okay. of the fact that they they can still function to the okay. way that they do. But they well, are, you brought up the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, they are, there are more versions of the Eagles right. and everybody else, the Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Youngs of the world that just can't do this, and that it's easier for all of them to go and do uh, do the solo artist stuff. Okay, but let me drill. I'm just interested in this. So let's. Okay, now we've explored the, the few <laughs> bands who are nice and stay together. That it's is a rare. conversation. Right, yeah. and you're, you're you're in what that what? I mean, you guys have been together for forty one years. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. That really is kind of the exception because most, I mean, bands just don't stay together for that long. But okay, say they do, there are different lineup changes. Or like marriages, some marriages don't end in divorce, but they hate each other the whole time. They stay together for convenience. This is Mick and Keith. They stay together for convenience. Right, because, well, because you don't have, you know, Simon and Garfunkel's concert would sell stadiums and Solo would, you know, even though Paul Simon was, come on. I'm mean, not going to go there, but I know no, what you're but, saying. You know, we, uh, <laughs> I know what we you're all saying. know. Yes. We all. Okay, so uh, you know, there's no Rolling Stones without the two of them, and they both know it, and they both like being the Rolling yeah. Stones. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And they go on tour, and okay, so between the th- ones that break up and the ones that hate each other, there's a lot of hate. This is what I'm trying to get at. Why, when he said all bands are about to break up at all times. What are the issues? And this is where another person in rock and roll said to me something. He said, it's always about either you didn't like my song. I didn't like my wife. Or you took that girl. <laughs> okay, <laughs> didn't like my, a lot of bands break up because of their wives don't get along. But, I mean, right. you've heard those stories. Well, um, but there's a time I, you didn't even have wives. Of course, yeah, right. no, no. And then yeah. it's you took that girl or of that course, girl. Of course, So it's, I, is that it? Is it you I didn't mean, like I, my listen, song and you took my girl? Listen, Bill, I-, I Answer I, the question. <laughs> I, I am answering the question right now. The. Answering the question is that it's a little bit of all of it. I mean, it's not just, there's not one sound bite that covers all of it. You know, um, a lot of times people in bands have to stray, you know, so it, it takes the Rolling Stones. I mean, they basically didn't do anything in the 80s, you know, for almost a, a, 10 years. Mick went really? off and did his own thing. Oh, you know, yeah, uh, uh, Keith went off and did, oh, yeah. and then they dabble in their own solo right. careers for a couple of years and then they go, Hang on a second. It's no fun playing to 27 people at the bottom line somewhere. Um, let's get back and the get Eagles. the stadium. Yeah, get and the stadium. It was called the Hell Freezes Over Tour. That's right. Because, because they literally said they we'll get never back gonna, together. Never get back together. And then they went off and Don <laughs> and Glenn and everybody did their yeah. own thing. And uh, then they came back again together. It's a little bit of all of it. Most rock and roll bands that are successful have a couple of people uh, uh you know, vying for pole position, vying for pole. Of course. Who's, who's, who are the guys that are going to steer? And so if you can get through, if you can get through that phase where you take turns steering and leading and that you don't mind taking a backseat and have enough trust and enough respect for your partner to know if you lead on this song, if you lead on this record or, or if you lead with this lyric or, or whatever, I can hover back and then we take turns and you can balance it. You have a much higher chance of getting through it, but it really is ego. I mean, all great rock and roll bands are fronted by people with massive egos or else you couldn't do it. So that's both the strength of what makes it a worldwide phenomenon and also what nine out of 10 times you know, makes it falter is that those egos clash. If I had to rank my favorite places, it would be number one on stage, number two, the basketball court, and number three, my own bed, because I love my sleep. Boland Branch is the bedding expert, making the highest quality sheets with incredible craftsmanship. You can feel the quality immediately. They feel silky soft to start and get even softer with every wash. The sheets feel soft and buttery, and once you get rid of the old sheets, you notice a huge difference. 
The signature hemmed sheets from Boland Branch are a bestseller for a reason. Boland Branch uses the highest quality 100% organic cotton threads on earth, made without toxins, free from synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. Boland Branch sheets fit the deepest of mattresses and are labeled with top and bottom tags, so they're super popular in West Hollywood. Best of all, Boland Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better at night with Boland Branch sheets. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code, code CLUB at BolandBranch.com. That's Boland Branch, BolandBranch.com. Promo code CLUB. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Guys, you know that feeling in the bedroom during intimacy when you're trying to hold back from going over the edge so that the fun doesn't end sooner than you or they would like? Stop trying to delay the inevitable by mentally solving math problems or thinking about Trump sitting naked eating a bucket of chicken. Look, <laughs> I may never get hard again. Gain more lasting power and confidence in the bedroom with Promescent Delay Spray. Their clinically proven and patented delay spray with anti-transfer technology absorbs into the skin quickly and completely. Look, women already have orgasms 30% less frequently than men, and they take nearly three times as long to get there. Hell, there is an acting class here in LA that specializes in teaching women how to fake it. I kid, but that's not a bad idea. Promescent lets you close that gap and allows your partner to finish 50% more of the time. So beat science with better science, literally. Join the over 500,000 happy couples and a few million miserable ones already using Promescent to enhance their intimacy. It's shipped free and discreetly. Plus you get a 60 day money back guarantee. Grab a bottle and try it for yourself at promescent.com slash club random. That's promescent.com slash club random, which applies my 15% off discount code with free shipping on your first order. Last longer with Promescent Delay Spray today. Don't delay, I mean do delay. Order today, you won't be disappointed and neither will your partner. Do you like true crime? Check out Mind of a Monster, a true crime podcast from ID about history's most notorious serial killers. On this new season of Mind of a Monster, host and criminal psychologist Dr. Michelle Ward tells the story of Jeffrey Dahmer and how he got away with cannibalism, killing and necrophilia for more than 13 years. Past seasons tell the story of serial killers like Ted Bundy and the Green River Killer, LA's famous Hillside Strangler and Night Stalker Killers, and Ed Kemper, AKA the Co-Ed Killer. That's a lot of true crime, and it's all available to listen to now, you sick fucks. <laughs> listen to Mind of a Monster, Jeffrey Dahmer, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, it's so interesting, the thing you said about trading off the leadership position, which is, you know, ideally like what a country does with leadership. We have elections, or at least we did in the it's past, where yeah, people just, yeah. you know, sometimes the Republicans are in charge, yeah, yeah. sometimes There's the Democrats the pendulum are, that swings yes, back and forth. and we all accepted that until yeah. fat-ass McDouchebag yeah. basically tried to overthrow the government. We're like, you, you lose some, Don. Yeah. Why nobody ever says that to him, you fucking yeah. baby? You, you, you don't well, win them all. It's that pendulum and, and growing up in a social democratic European society, you know, it's, you know, have a parliament and you have 10 parties or you have right. 15 parties and you have all those different kind of things and everybody, it kind of shifts. And we would always look at America and go, it's the, the thing about America is it's yes or no, it's black or white. It's Republican or Democrat. It's winning or losing. Everything is these juxtapositions, these two extremes. But in in European attitudes, most of the answers to all this stuff lies in the middle, lies in in this hodgepodge of everything. And in America, it's win, lose, black, white, right. yes, no, yeah. Democratic, Republican. Yeah. And that our, is, our economic system also is that yeah. and you, it, many Europeans come here because they feel like as one Canadian said, they cut down the tall trees where I'm from. And here it's true. You can grow as high as you want and get as rich as you want. But if you're a loser, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> you know, whereas they don't, we don't, even though we do have a generous safety net, it's still not like all for one as much as it is in European countries. But I just want to ask you about this thing about leadership, because that seems to be the key thing. Just like in a democracy, can you switch back and forth the leadership 
you're saying in your band I, you I, have. I think we've managed to do it, but not without putting a lot of effort into so it. So who's and, the president and, now? <laughs> <laughs> not without, not without, you know, it, first you have to go to the trench warfare. And first you have to go through the thing where for 10 years, every day that I would go down to the studio, I would put my battle armor on okay. and I would go down to the studio and I would be prepared to stand up for the one way that I believed in, 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 you know, in me was the right way. And if somebody said, how about we do it this way, then the battle armor would come on and we would go at it. Then you wake up on the other side of that experience that was in that movie, Some Kind of Monster, and you go, holy shit, maybe empathy is actually a word we can work with here. Maybe I can do a 180 and see it from the way. Of course, it's, it's, it's all of it. But, but, so, but now in our band, yes, I'll lead on something. I'll lead on a song. I'll lead on a direction. James will follow along. Uh, James will lead on something else. I'll follow along. James, you, you're, you take pole position on this one. I trust you. So Let's you're saying it's it. a song by song thing. Okay. Cause when I, that's, I, e that's the easiest way to, to break it down musically. The, yeah. At least the analogy certainly does not hold for the Beatles where there was a definitely a lead change. John Lennon was undoubtedly the leader of the Beatles when they started. It was his gang. They looked up to him. It was his band. Okay. I'm not going to disagree with that. Yeah. Mid 60s, it switches. He, it, Paul McCartney becomes the leader of the band. It was his idea to do Sgt. Pepper. It was his idea they would do the magical mystery movie. It was his idea they. Totally. You know, he totally. just. John Lennon was doing other things. No, totally. Yoko. But that's. And, but, but, but right there, I think you hit the nail on the head is that these things. These things can ebb and flow by somebody else becoming leader or taking the pole position. That can happen in two ways, and that's important. It's not that the one guy comes up and removes the other guy. It's also like you just said about Lennon kind of pulled himself back because he got interested in other things. And so there are each one of those situations are unique in, in that sense. And there is an ebb and flow and a fluidity to it. When you and again. You said 10 years, so we could stick with 10 years. We're 41 years into this journey. I mean, we've, I had, we've had fucking, I start, James and I started this when we were 17 what? and so, we're 117 now. And we're, <laughs> you know, so, so it's like those dynamics, they do ebb and flow depending on where people's so heads are at. So this about to go on, right? How many, where it starts what day? It starts uh, oh. April, the so, ascent of April, April 27th. So I'm glad you reminded me of my tour. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, you I'm don't not, need that. I'm I, not in quite I, the size venues you are, yeah, but we're, everyone has to make a living. <laughs> Saturday, April 22nd. Oh no, April 22nd. They can't see both of us at the same time. I'll be at the theater at MGM National Harbor in Oxford yeah, Hill, Maryland. In Europe, we're, we're starting in Europe in, um, in April. So we'll be in Europe in April, May, and June. And then we start in America. America in August. Okay. And also Sunday, April 23rd, this is me again at the Durham Performing Arts Center in Durham, North Carolina. But right. okay, so so you know, like in the NBA, they they have something called back-to-backs, like where you play one night and then the next night, which if you've ever played a basketball game and I still play in them, it's like it's taxing, especially at uh, my age, but yeah. at any age, you know. So that's why if you have to do a back-to-back, -back, those players, yeah. they know that second day that is a, a opportunistic time for the other team because they're just, you know. Sure. Yeah, we have you, our version of that. I mean, we do. What is your version of that? That's so, yeah, we used to call them either two in a row or three in a row. But you don't, you avoid them all together now? Yeah, so uh, that's now, that's now, wild. yeah, now we don't, we only play singles. So this whole tour that we're embarking on, we're playing two shows in each city and we, we came up with a shtick of two shows, uh, same venue, uh, a Friday and a Sunday, and two completely different shows. No songs repeated from one night to the other. So Smart. one hundred percent different set list. Smart. And you buy really? one ticket for two shows, oh. and you can come in and see. And now you can also buy single tickets. But that it's is start really up. smart. So yeah. it's and you don't get bored because you're we playing don't get bored. No, there's there's no time to get bored. But well, you're playing different songs. We're playing hundred percent different yeah, set lists. But my point was that it used to be that you know. We would, if we were playing two shows in the same city, 
that we would play, you know, two shows in the same venue that right. we were playing back to back. Yeah, sure. Now we don't even play. You know, now we have no. to rent the stadium, obviously for the setup for two, three days, but also the stadium sits idle. So if we play Friday and then to take a day off Saturday and then play again Sunday, but it's the only way to get through it. And it's the only way, so, you know, finally, and maybe in the last 10, 15 years, we came around, and this is no disrespect to our managers, but we came around the other side and basically said, listen, we need to start putting some boundaries and some parameters around our what we're willing to do. Because back in the day, we would do three, four in a row and then have one day off and then three in a row and then one day off and then two shows and oh. one. And then, you know, I'd have, you know, a week off between going to Europe and America. And finally, like I said, maybe around 15, maybe around the some kind of monster thing, we took charge and said, we're willing to go out for this long, for this long, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And at one point, um, when I was fighting a, a child custody case uh, between um, sort of like maybe 08 to 10, maybe, give or take, we did a whole, we did a whole world tour for two years around not being on the road for more than two weeks at a time. We would play in Europe for two weeks, then come home, play two weeks, then come home, play, you know, we did an American tour a week at a time. Because wake up. of the child custody? Yeah, uh, and the other guys in the band why, were- Why, because you had to be in court or something? No, because I, I had 50-50 uh, custody of, of my kids and there was oh. no budging on the- Oh, I on, see, so you came home just to be with them and to yeah, take them so to school and- literally I would, take him to school Monday morning and we would fly and we would play five shows in America, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday night, we'd fly home. I would be with my kids from that Monday morning for a week. Wow. And the rest of the guys in, in the band, God bless them, uh, were gracious enough and kind enough to uh, work with that. And it was a whole world tour for two years. Yeah, so we rock, were never, never uh, gone for more than two weeks at a time. The rock and roll lifestyle was not really invented for accommodating custody fights. <laughs> Let me <laughs> confirm that for you. It's, it's more for creating <laughs> it was, illegitimate. It was running away from your it's, children, it's for not creating with, children. Yeah, you know, it was, I mean, no, it was running away and you know, hiding from your kids. Led uh, Zeppelin uh, fucked uh, <laughs> groupies with a fish. Yeah. You know, I mean. <laughs> Among other things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure you guys got into lots of mayhem when you started. And but so, what's it like now? So you, you, I mean, first of all, I must tell you, I tour like the ultimate baby, and I have for like the last at least 20 years. I I do two shows, two cities, uh, in a row. But then you go home, or do you stay after out the north? second show? Uh, so I'm not only staying over one night. That's as much as I can take. I'll go up and fly up to Seattle on Saturday afternoon and in my fly little, back after little the show. plane. Yeah, yeah. No, and then stay over well, in you Seattle. Stay over. Okay. Always, but always, the first city is always one that has like a great hotel. I'm telling you, I'm a fucking baby. And then I'll fly to the second city, whatever it is, Portland. There's nothing or, you're going to tell me that's okay. any different than what we no, do. No, but like, <laughs> and then I'll do, I'll fly in just and go right to the venue. I wouldn't even get a hotel in the second city. Yeah. Do that show, get in the plane and fly home. And I'm we only, do, yeah, we do. We, that we, is we, a baby. Yeah, we have a version of that called uh, basing or hopping. Um, some some bands do it, they call it hopping, we call it basing for some reason. People always go, free bait? No, it's basing. So we use base cities. So we'll be, um, let's say um, we're playing, uh, let's, say we're, let's say we're playing Scandinavia. So we'll hop, we'll park ourselves in Copenhagen and we'll wake up in Copenhagen oh. and we'll fly up to Oslo right. and we'll play Oslo. And right after the show, we'll right. be back on the plane. We'll be back in Copenhagen 10 or 11 hours after right. we left. And so you're in the same hotel room right. or if you rent a house or an apartment. Ah. So you have that continuity going. Right. And if you have For how family, long? Weeks? Yeah, we do like, you know, two weeks, three weeks like that. And so you could play like- and That's your home turf. Right, I'm using Copenhagen as an example, but we do it with Paris. If we're playing shows on the East Coast, like we'll do it out in New York. So we'll stay in Manhattan right. um, and everybody will have their kids and their families out and we'll play, you know, we'll play Boston, we'll play Buffalo, we'll play DC, we'll play Philly, we'll play Pittsburgh, we'll play Charlotte or whatever. We'll play all of them out of New York and just go to Teterboro at two o'clock in the afternoon. Frank, we're back at Teterboro at, you know, at two in the morning. Frank Sinatra, his last years, he would only stay in one of three places. He would either be in, his, he had a home in, in Palm Springs in Palm in LA. Springs, yeah. okay. And then one here in Beverly sure. Hills. 
And then he, and he would play Chicago, and he, or he would stay at a hotel, his favorite hotel in Chicago, or New York. Sure. And he would do, you had to be able to reach the gig by, I think, helicopter. Yeah. Okay. So, or or some, maybe, maybe small plane or something, so he could play St. Louis, but he'd be back in Chicago. Exactly, that's what, we, yeah. exactly. It's we, like, we're in Chicago, we play St. Louis, Indianapolis. We're fucking we old, we earned it. But it's also, but it is, but it is, I mean, that's one half of it, but when I tell people about this, I, you know, there's the other half of it, which is that it, it's an investment. It's an investment in your sanity. It's an investment your in health. Your, it's an investment in your health, your yeah. sanity, okay. and it's an investment in your longevity. For, because people will sit, people will sit there and go, you. "Well, that's more expensive because you're adding more plane but, flights, or you're doing this." I go, "Yeah, it's more expensive, but it's an investment in being able to do it for many more years." You're still being a road warrior. I mean, you're out. This is a tour. People say to me sometimes, you know, you're tour. I don't, I'm never on tour, and I'm never not on tour. I do a weekend every other weekend or so. You know, that's about it. That's do you it. ever hop? Do you ever wake up here at home and go uh, to San Francisco, and then you come back here? Absolutely. You, yeah. So you, it's called you, a one nighter. Yeah. So you just you you hop yes. back, right back. So you, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I also have had some like I was I had to do uh, Lake Tahoe uh, last weekend, and there was a blizzard. And I had to, we had to fly into Reno and then drive over a mountain in a oh. blizzard. It was just like the early days of comedy. It actually kind of felt. But there are, yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. But there are other advantages to it, which is we travel a lot at night. We fly at night, and when you're flying at night, you can actually get around quicker because air traffic control sure. is not sitting there going. You got to right. wait 45 yeah. minutes for somebody else to take off, and so traveling at night, you know, and also when you come off stage, you're off stage at 11 or 12, and you're still fucking wired okay, after so, playing for two and a half right. hours. And so if I go back to the hotel in Seattle or whatever, I'm going to sit in my room in Seattle for the four, four hours and stare at the wall. Right. So I may as well travel right. and get to exactly. the next city because yes. then I can have right. a more relaxing day off the next day. So there so, are and, additional practical but benefits I'm, I'm to it. I'm telling you, I'm so much more of a baby because like, just to be away for more than a few days from my home... Um, without my food, you know, like the exact food I, I want and what's on my TV. I, hear I mean, I'm just a, co- a creature of comfort and that kind of that. Not luxury. I'm not a lu- I'm not a person who likes yeah. or needs luxury. Should, should never but, excuse that. No. I'm no, gonna, I don't. It's. Uh, I mean, we're the same way. I mean, we. But you to uh, to be um, to be out there, the way you are. I mean. Oh, look at this thing. But, you know, it's, I mean, we have our version of that. I mean, we like to, uh, you know, we have the same people. You know, a lot of the people that travel with us have been with us for 20, 30 You're years. You're still away from home. I couldn't, I just, yeah, couldn't, but, I just you know, couldn't do it. You know, what do you I, do on the day off? Uh, try to do nothing. Go to a museum, go see a movie, try to oh, turn. See, you know. That's something, uh, comedians, of course, have the same history and lifestyle. And there certainly were many times in my 20s when I was, you know, we would play comedy clubs and you'd be in the city for four or five days. You sure. played the comedy club like sure. Tuesday through Sunday or some shit. So you had to create stuff to do when you're away but, from home. Yes. And and we but, were masters yeah, at it. But the mall is, was but, like but, a... But yeah, but there is also a pretty significant difference between your 20s and your 50s. I'm just 60s. saying. Because in your, 20s, in your 20s, most of the time you were sleeping off, you know, the 12 hours of shenanigans that would happen after the concert, you know, on your day off. Now right. it's you go to a museum or you catch up on something or you go to the spa. I mean, I right. would never say that 30 right. years ago. What did you do right. on a day off? I went for a massage and a steam. Right. And that's not <laughs> something you did when you were 26, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but I don't think that, I don't think that people like us need to excuse. I mean, I've been vocal about, you know, we travel with a chef and we make sure that we have yes. the best food possible. Right. We have two guys that travel with us who stretch us and who, there you know, you stitch us back together after right. the concerts and, uh, <laughs> you know, and all that kind of, but all those things are an investment so in, you, in the longevity of it. What like do I you said. think of Mick? I mean, and, it's more like a fucking sports team now. Yeah. You know? What do you think of Mick and Keith doing it at 80? I mean, I remember when we were, I, I we were doing, we were doing so Rolling Stone or old, Stones are old jokes when they were 50. I remember that. Their new hit is number one with an arrow. You know, they're... (laughs) Listen, I'll tell you this story. I've said it a couple times before because it it so hits right. 
to the center of, of what you're saying. We we were fortunate enough to get asked to play with the Stones just about 20 years ago. It was uh, maybe it was three, four, five, give or take. And um, uh, so they're playing a couple shows in San Francisco, and then asked if we would play with them. At that time, we had played shows of our career with Deep Purple, with ACDC, with a few other bands, all the bands that I had posters up on my wall when right. I was a kid. And so the last one, last one of those boxes to check was the Stones. So we're playing a couple shows at uh, where the Giants played AT&T Stadium. And, um, and, and we're no spring chickens at this point. No. I mean, we're still in our you know <laughs> right. uh, early 40s, late 30s, early 40s or whatever. Yeah. But still, so we're sitting backstage and um, and this is in no way a judgment on the stones. This is really more about us. But so we're sitting backstage, and at one point, a, a, a personal assistant or whatever comes, you know, and says, "Mick Jagger's going to walk through here in a couple minutes. He's going over to his private gym in his truck, and he's going to warm up uh, before the show. When he walks through here, please don't make you know eye contact with no. him or talk to him or no. just Mick is going to walk through here. No. And, and so we're sitting there. Come on. And, and, this is about us, not about the Stones. So, so oh. we're sitting there going, "What? He has a truck. He has a truck oh. with a portable gym in it. He goes and warms up for thirty, forty-five minutes before he goes on stage. Cue, ha ha ha! Oh my God! You know, and and we're still like late thirties, early forties. Now, guess who's got a truck with a gym in it? Okay. Guess who's got a Peloton bike on the road with us? Guess who's got a chef who but walks Lars, around and makes us protein drinks and all kinds I, of other nasty stuff? I, get I mean, your, we're right there uh, in it, okay. you know? I get your point. I think you're missing <laughs> the really salient part of the story. It's not that he was warming up before the show, which is completely understandable whether you're 20, 30, I, I, or I know 80. what you're referring to. I, I it's, yeah, it, it, yeah, I, come on, I, I, that listen, is so I, disappointing. I, you know, we used to laugh a lot at those things, and and when we, did he walk through? And you did that and didn't look? Did you? You must have talked to him at some point. We um, we uh, we were told that um, I've told this story also a couple times before. We were told that um, we could have our picture taken with the Rolling Stones. Uh, on the way to the uh, as they were walking to the stage, we were playing. There was an, another support act. Um, can't remember who it was, but so the two support acts, uh, the two guest acts were in the tunnel up to the stage and the first band was here and the second band was here and then the stones came and they stopped here and they took a picture. I don't think they fully stopped. They were sort of caught mid-walk or they slowed down long enough and then they got to us and we got our picture taken with the stones. Listen, But that's the extent I, of your... That was the extent of it. I had dreams, you know, I thought, listen, so, we're going to play with the Rolling Stones and you know where I'm going to spend my whole time is in Keith Richards' hotel room sitting, right. doing those legendary parties <laughs> till nine right. o'clock in the morning. I'll be the last one to leave, you know. Uh, well, it wasn't exactly like that. But listen, I, I, I don't disrespect him for that. I've told those stories before. Um, and now we're sort of turning into a version of that. But we are always very careful uh, I always go and say hello to our support acts. I look them in the eye. I ask them if there's it's, anything they need. It's you know what it is? It's called common courtesy. It, I was just going to say. It's just not it's even. Just, it's, we don't even it's deserve. Hu no, it's, it's, a hu it's a human thing. It's if somebody comes out and plays on a well, Metallica stage, I want them to feel also, at home. Especially, there's something. I want them to feel at home. There's also something involved here called professional courtesy. Yeah, Professional exactly. courtesy. Like, if you were like a, a very new beginning band it still wouldn't be acceptable, but it would be a little more understandable. But you're a peer who was had probably at that moment was selling more records than they were. It, it, it just seems, it's just so disappointing. And I've heard, of course, stories like this before. There's a, a very big rock star, I'm not gonna say who it is. Um, I happen to uh, like him personally in my brief encounters with him. But someone I know who I know is not lying said, she walked up to him, he was having lunch with his wife somewhere, and said, Mr. Blow and Blow. <laughs> um, <laughs> blow and Blow, I, I like that. <laughs> I hate to bother you. And he cut her off and said, and yet you did. Right. 
Yeah. And I've never been able to listen to this person's records. Yeah, I know, and I, know. I do, because I, I can put it out of my mind. I'm not, a, I'll play fucking R. Kelly here right yeah. now. I don't let anybody tell me Michael Jackson, anybody. It did, the, the music didn't rape anybody, I always say. So, um, but, but I cannot put it out of my mind. You know what I mean? You, can, you can't, you can't, you can't, I can't unsee that, no, which is ironic because he wouldn't look at you. <laughs> I hear, no, I hear. Listen, I, it's terrible. I, the first time we were exposed to that, and again, I'll refrain from, from, from saying the name, but uh, we were, this was the mid late 80s, and we were just figuring it all out and getting into arenas and stuff like that. And our tour manager has just been on tour with this other band that were a little more established than we were but not they weren't the rolling stones or i mean they weren't legends in their right. own in their <laughs> in own, their own right. mind right they um they were you know and he was telling stories about the lead singer when he walked from 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 his dressing room up to the tour manager had to go in front you know five minutes before whatever and tell whatever crew people or whatever technicians or whatever awesome people make rock and roll shows go up and down and all that stuff, you know, whether it's catering or all the people that work at these buildings, God bless every one of them, no eye contact allowed. And we were sitting, we were 25 years old, and we were what, just hysterically what, I, laughing, going I, like, hysterical. how can anybody look at another human I, being and go, no eye contact allowed, what, when you're backstage what, sharing a fucking, what, what, so, what is like, that about? What, what, what is it, what is it take, <laughs> it's like they're like some, you know, primitive person in the Amazon, it steals my soul, you know, like they thought cameras did. I, I, I just don't understand what that is, why that is such an imposition to look at a person. I guess because then it invites the other person to talk to you and then you gotta talk to you a gotta, person. You uh, gotta expend energy I mean, to nod right. in their direction. Now look, <laughs> it, it is, I will I will say this, like there, are, uh, we probably both have been put in situations where it is taxing, like, I'm, uh, like a book signing. Have you ever done a book signing? Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah. I was happy to do it and like I'm not going to do it and not be like engaging with every single person who comes up with that book. Of I'm going to look in the eye and yeah. try to be, yeah. you know, give them yeah. 30 seconds of realness. Yeah. That Shake can be hand, taxing over an hour. Yeah. But you but it, you signed up for it, yeah. so do it. But it's not taxing to walk <laughs> through a room. I don't, I just don't get it. But okay, so, but what about being 80 and doing it? I mean, like, I'm telling you, we were making jokes about this for 30 years, about how old they are. And eight, I mean, we thought 60 was pushing it, then we thought, wow, 70, yeah. 75, and, and, and 80, obviously, and obviously, 80. And it's not obviously, you know, in, in context, it's not just them. I mean, listen, Paul McCartney's still out there doing it. You know, Neil Young, uh, so many other incredible artists. At eight, Look, yeah, a few yeah, at eight. Very, but, you're right, Paul McCartney but, is Yeah, Paul McCartney turned yeah. 80 last year at the Glastonbury yes, Festival. Yeah. I mean, I, all jokes about, you know, Pete Townsend writing, I hope I die before I get old, and all those right. ones that have been thrown out there for, for 40, 50 years. I think it's inspiring for nothing more Me than- Me too. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm Because we're right in their fucking right. footsteps. Exactly. Uh, we're right in their way. I think it's fucking um, awesome. But it's, um, it, it, it just, it, it gives, it gives all the rest of us mortals, uh, you know, something to you know, look forward to, uh, first of all. But also, um, you know, when, when the audience, I think, understands, because it's not just, you know, all of Paul McCartney's fans are not the same age as him. No. So it gives the audience a chance. <laughs> less and less. To, that it gives the, uh, the audience also a chance to understand that music or comedy or anything else that you do, it doesn't have to be only the same generation that inspires you or moves something in you. Do you know what I mean? So when we're up on stage, a couple yeah. of us are 60, uh, uh, you know, and we look out and see all these kids that are experiencing Metallica for the first time because of Stranger Things. And there's a, let's call it a 45-year 45 45 year gap or a 50-year gap. Uh, that's great that younger 
kids can see that older people are also capable of doing something that has value to them or that connects with them. And I yes, think they on, need across, to learn that very badly. A, across multi-generations, so it's not yes. that all Gen Zers sit there and go, the only people that speak to me are Gen Zers, and all Gen Xers sit there and go, all Which the people that so speak stupid. to me. Which is so stupid. When I was a Gen Zer, I mean, when I was 20, that's not how I thought. I didn't look up to the people in my own generation. I thought they were douchebags. I wanted to be like James <laughs> Bond and ja Johnny Carson. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a Dean Martin. Yeah. People who were older than me look like they know how to get a girl yeah. and order right. a steak and a martini and do fucking good adult yeah. stuff or yeah. rock stars. You know, of course, that was always like, but I knew I couldn't ever be that, you know, but I could be Johnny Carson and I got pretty close. <laughs> That's right. Come on. God bless you. All right. Well, I, I, listen, it meant so much to me that you would just do this because I know it's... Of course. This is yeah, so much fun. It is so much fun. I hope you do it again. Please. Like with or without the cameras. But no, it'd be great. It's a great space, isn't it? Doesn't have a good this vibe is so in cool. this room. This is uh, yeah. what we call uh, an well, after hours, like an after exactly. hours. Exactly. Yeah, it has that like vibe. The after hours well, come, come some, yeah. I would love to have you here sometime when you're in L.A. and I, I can play when we're not tape because then we can put the music on. Club. Good to see you again. Now, uh, I'm going to take that. <laughs> <for this laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> I want to be the tall one. Oh,